Hello, and welcome to Property Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Zalkin. Today, I'm with Monica Hollins of Outside the Box Consulting. Monica, welcome to the show. For those, that, um, for those that don't know, why don't you give us some background on what, what Outside the Box Consulting does? Yes. So first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your show. I'm super excited. I've been really impressed with everything that you have done in your career. So to be invited on a guest on your show is um, an honor. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. So Outside the Box Consulting really started out of a love um, for really building community. And, you know, I have a lot of experience, about 20 plus, you know, years of experience of building community, whether it's with private entities or, you know, helping out with government entities. But I learned long ago how important community was. Um, and then I was working for a community management company for about 14, 15 years, and I was ready for the next chapter. And what I realized is, you know, my last client was Freehold Communities, and I helped them open seven other uh, communities across the country. And one of the things that I learned was how important it is to build communities from the, big, from the beginning to focus on community and not just be so focused on the architecture of it. Um, architecture is extremely important, as we all know, but sometimes the architecture if it isn't, if the, the appropriate considerations aren't considered, will not be conducive for the people who live there. And so that is, you know, my whole goal is to make sure that, you know, when developers decide to go forward with, you know, their communities or, um, you know, if they are redoing, um, you know, your restoration or whatever it may be, that we're really focusing on the people who live there, the people who work there, so that it can be a place where the synergy just kind of, you know, really develops. Instead of having, you know, a management staff on site that is kind of shoved in a corner because <laughs> the developer didn't think of that, um, or, you know, having uh, this beautiful master plan community without the amenities that residents are really calling for and, and needing today, um, especially post-COVID. I'm really there to kind of bring everyone together, the architects, designers, developers, and say, okay, this is what what is needed um, based on my years of experience, based on surveys that we need to do to make sure that your community is a viable community. That's an active community. So you're saying that developers should start to consider and think about amenities very early on in the process, bring you on early on in the process, um, and, and start thinking about their community. Correct. And, you know, it's, and it's more, you know, I, I help with more than just the social well-being part, right, of bringing people together. Because I have a lifestyle experience, so I think a lot of people look at that and go, oh, she plans events and, you know, and kind of look at it very simplistic, you know, simplistic, but it's really more than that. Um, it can be from like when we are looking at like, I'll use a master plan, you know, community for an example. Um, and we're looking at the amenity space. How are we going to set up that amenity space 
that is going to be conducive for the everyday lives and the everyday, um, you know, programming that's going to go in that space. For example, if I'm setting up this beautiful amenity center and I have, you know, this luscious green lawn and I want it to be a wedding venue, I need a plan for it more than just being a wedding venue of the, the space inside the gates. I need to understand that there, the, the tent truck needs to be able to get in there. Hmm. Right. I, and I mean that, that one is like one that I think is so overlooked all the time is people are like, Oh, we have this beautiful green, huge green lawn and we can do these amazing events and like, great. But how are your, your, your rentals going to get in there? And that does play into like, you know, costs and different things like that, you know, down the line. But if we think about it ahead of time, then you don't have to go back and retrofit anything. And so that's what I kind of jump in and help out is making sure that your amenities are fluid, that they work and that they're going to be activated. I think a lot of times, you know, I remember talking to um, one developer of multifamily and I said, so how do you guys decide on your amenities? And he was like, well, we just have like a cookie cutter approach. It's like, we do, we just do this for all of our communities. And like, are they active? You know, are, are, are your spaces activated? And he's like, no. Yeah. You, you, you know, that's a great point. And I'd love to ask you, when you approach a new project, how do you research or how do you use data or what data research do you look at? Um, and, and how does that impact your decision-making process, you, you know, early on? Yeah, that's a plan? great question. So it's a, it's a tiered approach. So, you know, a lot of times developers will have a marketing study done and because they want to know who they're going to be attracting to their community, right? Um, if it's going to be families, if it's going to be empty nesters, if it's going to be a mix. So that's really the first um, point of data that I go to is their market studies. Who are we trying to attract in this community? Um, and then based on that, I can really then start sharing with, with, you know, the client different ideas that we can do to really enhance that spot. Um, you know, New Home Trends Institute has great information um, that you can gather regarding lifestyle, regarding um, even, you know, the size of clubhouses for the amount of residences. So there's just a lot of um, great data out there that, you know, that I can bring to, you know, to the client. But I think the biggest thing, too, is everyone can pull data. Right. But it's really my experience that I use to really help orchestrate the plan um because you know there are so many times that you can look at data and if and you're like okay that's great but it's just like anything like my husband I, i joke around with basketball analytics for example right it says if this person shoots you know 50 you know 30 times from the you know three point line they're going to score this much everyone has an off day right and so the analytics can only help so much Um, and so with this, I can really say, you know, based on my experience on my different clients and what I have seen and talking to residents, this is what we need to be, you know, adding into this to really make it, um, a community that's going to be accessible and something that people want to go to. What are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on where, you know, after, you know, kind of looking back at it, you thought you think currently, wow, that, that we did a great job because we 
paired these amenities together or is there anything that you're yes. super proud of that you've worked on that you'd like to share? You know, I have to say with freehold communities, there's so many that I am super proud of, but I think the two probably that have really jumped out and have always kind of resonated with me are the, the agrihood type communities. I believe that that is really where we should be really looking forward as there's food scarcity across you know the country. Um, and so, you know, the first one was Arden down in, um, you know, the Wellington area, West Palm beach. And, you know, we started there with a five acre farm and it's now grown to, I, th I believe they have a 10 acre, you know, farm. What I, and, and a beautiful amenity center, you know, area for kids to play soccer, basketball, tennis, pickleball. I mean, you don't have to leave this community. There is really something for everyone at that community. Um, and, you know, it's really focused on the family dynamic and it is out in a more agricultural area. And so the, the whole idea of the, the farm coming into that plays so nicely and what I've really enjoyed seeing is not only helping um, set that up and, you know, plan for that in the, you know, beginnings, but also assisting in the programming afterwards. Because, you know, anyone can plant a farm, but not everyone can program it where your residents are engaged with it. And I think that is something that so many people are and developers are still trying to figure out because, you know, the whole idea of agrihoods is such a new concept still. And there is no like magic sauce. Like if I do this and this and this, then my, 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 my farm will be successful. Um, there's different, you know, consultants that have different ideas on what that looks like. And so all of that really plays into, you know, where you are, where you're located, who are your residents, um, and how are you getting them engaged? So Arden is one of my favorites. Um, and then, and I learned so much from Arden because for the first time I had to help hire a farmer. Never did I think I would be helping hire a farmer. <laughs> sure. um, just because it, it at that time was beyond my, my expertise. But I have, we hired two amazing farmers, Tripp and Carmen Eldridge, who really taught me so much and have they're now fat friends because um we went through so much of it together so my other one is go ahead. what do you think it's about um an agrihood or a farm that captivates residents what, what what is it um kind of a return to nature or is it you know community like you sort of opened up with what what do you see what have you found I've, I think it's a combination of it all. Um, you know, I, one, I, I think as parents, for example, we want our children to know where their fruits and vegetables come from. They don't just magically appear in the grocery store. Right. Right. And so I think for that, there's a huge education component with an agrihood um, that your kids can really understand that food grows. And there's the other, you know, points is that, when you get your, you know, I think the average vegetable remember, travels like 1500 miles before it gets to you. Yeah. That's a long time. Um, and so if you're able to get fresh produce from your community, 
that's going to just make your, you know, you just have that healthier style of living because you're able just to go, you know, across the street or down to the amenity center and grab, you know, your, your beets and your cauliflower or whatever it may be, um, to really make a delicious dish that you can have pride in that it was grown in your community. Number one, number two, the whole community aspect, it brings people together. You know, my favorite story about Arden was when, you know, COVID happened and every amenity, everything was shutting down across the country. And cause everyone was like, what is this? What do we do? Um, but because Arden had an agrihood and we had two amazing farmers, we were able to keep the lifestyle in that community together through the farm. And by doing so, instead of residents coming to pick up their farm shares, our farmers delivered them to their door, right? Wow. And not only did they have that experience of having, you know, that fresh produce during a time that there was a huge food scarcity, right? Because food could not travel because of different regulations. But what it did and what was my favorite part is that Residents had Facebook, their community Facebook, that they would go on and they would share recipes and share, oh my goodness, did you taste the zucchini this week? And, and so they were really able to connect that way, that no other community um, really had that opportunity because so many of them were shut down. And so everyone was just kind of in their own little, you know, homes and not really being able to communicate with the greater um, community, but everyone here was able to stay connected and like share their recipes and really have that sense of community, even when all odds were stacked against them. Yeah. Great point. There was another project you were about to mention as well that you were really, yeah. You know, Miralon in Palm Springs is, was the last, um, project with a freehold that I had worked on. And what I love about that is everything we, we were able to take everything we learned on in the six projects prior and really put into Miralon. And so Miralon, we turned um, a golf course that had never been played on into an, an olive tree farm. Oh, wow. um, so we had 7,000 olive trees plant, you know, planted um, on the golf course, the former golf course. Um, and the great thing is it had trails already there because you know, paved trails because it was for the golf carts. Um, and so residents could walk through an olive tree orchard, right. And just see these beautiful olive trees. And what was great, a couple things that were really cool about that is olive trees are native to that area, meaning that they are drought resistant. Um, they don't need much water. And so we were able to reduce the amount of water needed for that project because of the olive trees. And we teamed up with an amazing, um, company called Temecula Olive Oil Company, and we're able to great, get in a partnership with them to help us, you know, manage the olive trees. And it carried over also to us having, um, you know, a garden that could be a U-Pick garden, right? That they, that residents didn't have to worry about maintaining, um, but they can go over and they could cut whatever they needed mint for their, you know mojitos or whatever it may be and also we had a bar there that was close to the garden so we could offer you know your lavender you know uh, mojitos you know mint mojitos and all these different um options that um could really help bring the community together right so our bartender is like 
hey, you know, we have cilantro, we have this, we have that. And they could just incorporate it into the drinks. And it was just really great. And then we also had a, um, a, a demo kitchen right by there as well. So we could bring in, you know, um, chefs for programming. They could go grab some stuff and teach the residents on really how to utilize it. So, you know, and obviously we have pools because you have to have that in Palm Springs because it's really hot. But what I loved about that project is with all of that stuff that I, you know, mentioned um, and some items I, I didn't mention, those amenities, everything flowed together. Right. It wasn't I also just a common theme food as bringing community together. Yes. I mean, who doesn't want food? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you get kids to come to a party if you feed them pizza and, sure. you know, wine and cheese to get <laughs> adults or whatever. So there food is, I think, a common denominator in all of these things. Yeah. I'm curious to hear, because you've seen, you know, tons of communities. Um, I'm curious to hear some of the most or outrageous amenities that you've seen that just either didn't work, you know, for one reason or another, or just were just so outrageous that you were like, wow, I can't believe somebody decided to put this in a community. I read a lot. Um, yeah. I read a lot about amenities and anyone who watches my LinkedIn will know that, that I am, amenities are kind of my, my thing. Um, yeah. so I will say the craziest thing I've seen someone put in, but I wasn't a consultant on the project. Um, but it was a, a wow for me was in Miami. Uh, there's a Bentley hotel going up. Sure. And they are in, in Porsche, I believe, is also doing because now the luxury cars are starting to get into real estate. But they are putting car elevators in their their residences. Wow! So the car can be shot up to, to your your unit <laughs> and be on on display. And then when you want to get in your car, you just walk this little glass door, you jump in your car and get taken down. And who doesn't want a, a, a car in their living room, right? I you, mean, you know, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that would be the one that um, really kind of wowed me. The, you know, I would say things that don't work. I think it, there's a general that if it's not planned with intention, nothing will work. You can have right. the greatest idea for an amenity, but you don't have the appropriate intention for it and plan for it. It will not work. And if you don't, the other thing is, is planning things all the way through the process, right? Like the idea, as we know, doesn't work if we just focus on this small little idea. We have to really go out and see how does it work outside of here? Um, right. You know, you can have a beautiful cafe, but if you don't have a way for people to access it and you don't think about that. Like, how are people going to get in here? Well, your beautiful cafe may not be sustainable, you know? Yeah. So there, there's just a lot of little things that I have seen where they may have missed a step. Right. And my job is to really show them how they can, how they can connect it to make sure that now it's going to be a viable place. Are, are you seeing other uh, trends that, developers really start to need to pay attention to whether it's sustainability or other you know other community gathering spaces what are some things yeah. that you're seeing that you know is the future of of amenities yeah you know i will say we're, wellness is 
number one right now. Wellness. You know, anything you can do with wellness. Um, and, and that's like wellness is on so many different levels, right? It, sustainability is really important. Um, and wellness for the overall person, I think that's one thing that COVID really taught people to take, you know, to pay attention to is how do you, um, how do you take care of yourself and your family? And I see, you know, communities that have great outdoor spaces, walking trails, walking, you know, hiking trails, um, the neighborhoods have always have been something that have really come out. Um, you know, I know one thing that we, you know, that has also been something that I've read a lot lately is about, you know, coffee houses, the neighborhood coffee house. Right. Um, where people can gather and whether they, they go there to work remotely or whether they're just gathering to meet a friend for coffee, that is something that has been something that not only, you know, have I read, you know, from the new home, home trends Institute, but I've also read in other articles that that is becoming a, a necessity um, to have that place, you know, place to be. The other thing that I would say is um, indoor outdoor spaces are really important. Um, you know, they have always said that it's not if the next pandemic happens, it's when. And so the one thing that I, I'm really adamant about is that people are planning for their spaces to be indoor outdoor spaces, that it can be utilized no matter what, right? That the, if something happens again and people have to stay, you know, outdoors or indoors by themselves, we need a, you need to have a space that can be flexible. Um, so there's, you know, every, um, and I, I would say the other thing that is really, um, important too, is really having the, um, you know, the dynamic water features too. Cause I think while people may want to have their own pool, people also, especially, and this is geographic, right? Like, sure in different areas it may be different but like like let's say florida or california like they still want a pool or in texas they still want a pool they want to yeah. cool down not everyone can afford it on their own but being intentional about that space um and fitness has also been something that has really made a comeback um as a place where people don't necessarily want to leave to go off site you know to enjoy fitness so those are the things i've really seen as um be really um, important to the buyer and also be something that developers are really looking into. Uh, I mean, I think you, you, you nailed a bunch of them on the head. I'd love to learn a little bit about your process, where you find inspiration. Clearly, you know, you, you read a lot, you do a lot of research, um, but maybe you can kind of just break down your approach or your, you know, sources of inspiration. Love to hear a little bit about that creative process. Yeah. So, you know, I draw a lot from my experience. Um, I think with having the experience that I've had, I, I've learned what works and what doesn't work um, or what just needs to be tweaked to make it phenomenal. So that is something that I, I really draw on first and foremost. Um, you know, when I, when I look at a community, I also want to hear what the vision is for the developer. What does the developer have in their, in their mind on what they want to see? 
you know, because, you know, you know, as one yourself that you have a dream and you have a vision of how it can all work. And that is really, really important to consider. Um, And so I think anyone coming in to assist a a community community or developer really, especially before the residents even get there, is really understanding what does the the developer or declarant need and want to see from this project Um, and be able to have honest conversations about that. Um, And then I, I would say that, you know, the second and third part is really drawing from um, you know, different, you know, trends that are happening and to see if those trends are just trends or if they're here to stay. Um, for example, I, I believe wellness is here to stay. It may be trendy, but I believe wellness is here to stay. People are only getting smarter about taking care of themselves and, you know, leading a more healthy life. And so if we aren't putting the right, um, you know, right processes in place and the right programming in place and right amenities in place, then they will go to where they can get that. Um, so, you know, I think it's a combination of all of this. And like I said, reading really helps because, you know, I try to dra- grab articles from all across the, you know, the world um, because everyone's doing something different that could really be that magic you know, sauce for your community. And so I love reading about different things that people are doing and even communities are doing, not necessarily master plan communities, but cities. What are cities doing that we can incorporate into our own communities? So it's really me drawing on a a large um, amount of content to really look at what is going to be best for that community. What um, what are your kind of long term, you know, five, 10 year plans for outside the box consulting? Where do you sort of see yourself in the company in five, 10 years? <sighs> That's a tough question. Um, and I say it's a tough question because, you know, the real estate industry changes so much and it, we've had so many changes lately. Um, but I would say that the one thing is, you know, currently I'm working, um, and haven't actually told anyone this yet, but, um, I'm consulting with associate management company and helping them with, you know, lifestyle services. Um, so I see that, you know, um, I, you know, I can't, it's hard for me to look five to 10 years down the road on this just because, um, every time I think I have a plan, <laughs> God right. says, no, you, no, you don't. let's, let's turn that. Um, but you know, my goal is really, you know, my goal is really to be able to offer amazing resident services for the residents that live in the communities that I serve. Um, and also being that liaison or that, um, consultant that can really help my client, whether it's a developer or management company really see, what is needed to make their community go to the next level. So as long as I'm doing any parts of that, I'm happy. Um, because I, I believe community is so important. And if we aren't paying attention to the, like I said before, the people who live there and really watching out for their social well being, then we're missing it as people who have the opportunity to build these great communities and bring people together. 
and we're doing a disservice. Right. Uh, this is a question I, I usually uh, I usually ask. Um, if you had a time machine and you can go back, you know, to when you were, you know, in your twenties, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Or what? Or I could phrase it another way. What yeah. advice would you give somebody just starting out in, in the field? Be kind to yourself. I think um, we, and, and take advantage of being young. <laughs> like, it's probably <laughs> the next part is that, yeah. you know, I think when we're young, we, there is, um, we don't, a lot, a lot of young people, depending on your age, may not be married yet. And, so use that opportunity to really develop your career and, and find yourself. Be forgiving to yourself if your career isn't what you were expecting it to be, right? Um, I think, you know, I was really fortunate that I, I really fell into what I did. It wasn't something I set out to be. I thought I was going to be a sports marketer. I'm really far away from that. Um, now, you know, things guided me away from that. But I never would have imagined being able to do um, what I do. And I, I have such a passion for it and I love it so much that you just have to be patient with yourself. And every opportunity you have to be mentored by someone or to be able to learn something, learn it. Take that yeah. opportunity to do Great it. Great advice. Do you have any final kind of thoughts on, um, on where we're headed with amenities or anything else you'd like to share with us before we, before we go? Yeah. I just think that any, I, I, I just want to say any intentional space that you want. And when I say intentional, that you're really thinking about it, you're thinking about what the purpose is of that space. Um, and how is it going to be programmed? So we, we want to make sure that we're not stopping short with thinking, Oh yeah, this would be a beautiful space. You know, when we were doing tours, you know, for, you know, our, our first prospects and, you know, we could do this. What is that space going to turn into, right? Like, let's say a welcome center, for example. Um, a lot of welcome centers are kind of going away in the fact that developers are realizing they need to make them more than just a welcome center. They need to make them a space that can be activated. So what I, I, my biggest thing that I want people to know is, um, plan. And if you don't have the experience in living in that space or your architects don't have experience in living in a space like that, bring in a consultant because all we want to do is help you be successful. You know, that is our goal is to make sure that, that our clients have a community that not only works for them and helps them sell homes, but works for the people who are going to be working in there and works for the people who are going to be living there. So that's all I have to say is that be, be intentional on more than it's a pretty space and that it can help us sell homes initially until what will it you know, turn into. I think that's, that's a great way to end it. Uh, Monica, how can folks get in touch with you? Yeah, they can um, call me at um, 512-348-0068 or they can go to consultingoutsidethebox.com. That sounds great. Monica, it was a real pleasure to have you on Property Potential Podcast today. Thank you so much. Uh, really enjoyed our time together. Definitely. I did too. Thanks again. Thanks.
Take care.